Hi, it's Dixie. Thanks for joining me for episode eight of the podcast, City of a Thousand Trades. Um, if you haven't listened to the podcast before, the premise is really, really simple. Each week, I've got a different guest, and the guest will be someone with a connection to Birmingham in some way. Um, we don't always talk about the city necessarily, it's more about the person themselves. And this month, I've got Ahmed Barber, or as I know him, Bob's. Um, Bob's is from the Solihull Shirley side of town and I know him from when I used to work in telesales for a window company and me and him basically spent years together working from the same office 11 hours of the day six sometimes seven days a week uh, we was really close back then but we drifted apart a little bit over the years just just sort of naturally as you do um, so it's great to see him and have a catch up I'm really excited for you guys to hear that shortly um, but before I stop waffling on um, I've got a bit of a confession to make so if you've listened to the show regularly, you'll know that I usually finish asking the same sort of questions. Um, however, we did get some interference on the microphone. Um, I think Bob's got his phone out to give some details of an event that he's got coming up. Um, and unfortunately, that meant it, it just messed up with it a little bit later. So I couldn't put it into the final ep- the cut of the episode because of that. Um, so I'm sorry as well if the episode seems to end abruptly that's why I had to cut a really big chunk um, but if he was curious the answer he gave was um, a guy called Dean someone we both used to work with he did tell a bit of a funny story about him but I won't go into it because um, I'm actually still really close with Dean and um, he's agreed to come on as a guest at some point not next episode or anything like that but at some point in the future um, so that's something to look forward to but yeah, thanks so much for listening. Um, I'll leave it there. This is Ahmed Barber. Cheers. So, Barbs, man, good to have you here. It's been a while, mate. It's been a while. How you keeping, bro? Yeah, I'm keeping good, man. I'm keeping good. What about yourself? Yeah, man, it's, I'm getting there. Each day as it comes, mate. I'm doing good, mate. Blessed to be alive. Last time I seen you, we was having a Nando's. I don't know if you remember. It was, you yes, mate. It quite some time ago, my bloody house. Is it that long? Yeah, it's been a while. Sure, That's what I'm I didn't have no kids, nothing, last time we met. Yeah, so man, no. Wow, fucking hell, that's been a while. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, thanks again for agreeing to do it on a podcast as well. For no me. problem, so, mate. No problem. Man, there. For like people who are listening who've never met or don't know yeah, just give us a little background to who Barber is. Absolutely. Well, firstly, if you don't know who the Barbs is right here, you need to wake up and get out the house a bit more because, you know, there's only one Barbs, man. You know what I mean? The dreadest geezer on the planet. I would class myself as a sound geezer. I've literally come, I've crossed paths with thousands and thousands of people um, probably in the last 20 years, probably due to my working lifestyle. Uh, just recently turned 40, celebrated 40 uh, as wild as I can by 2am I was tired I, I slept in, the, uh, in my cousin's car on the way home and never thought a day like uh, turning 40 I really wanted, I wanted my bed so you know, it was, a, it was a, a great 40 as one can handle when you come to my age but no it was good um, so I'm a family man got a couple of kids um, so literally yeah just been been quite busy I'm st- obviously I've been in the window, window game for the last um, 23 years now how did you um, get into the window game? Because uh, I'm aware you started in Shirley. It was, yeah. I started uh, for a company uh, called Staybright back in the uh, late 90s. It was a, one of my good mates, um, he, who I used to go to school with. Um, he actually got me a job there. It's funny how I actually started in the window game. That wasn't my first ever job. 
when I turned 16, my first ever job was at McDonald's, believe it or not. And um, I got an interview and I thought I wasn't expecting to, to get the job or it was my first job. So I, I didn't know what to expect. But, um, but then I was actually uh, a pretty good cricketer and I used to play cricket quite a bit. And the guy who actually uh, interviewed me in the McDonald's uh, position, uh, he was a regional manager and he was a, a, a season ticket holder for Warwickshire. So obviously I've had some good connections with Warwickshire in, in my early days uh, and I have played at uh, county level as well. So when he found out that I obviously I'm, I'm quite close to quite a lot of people in Warwickshire Cricket Club, uh, literally gave me the job. So he didn't literally tell me about the job, what I had to do, what I not had to do. So we were talking more cricket more than anything else. I, I wish the interview could have been a bit better for me, obviously, because um, I got the job and I didn't know what the hell I was supposed to do. So obviously I was assigned to uh, a team leader who was uh, look, look, shadowing me, looking after me for a little while, was giving me tips on what to do, how to do this and all that kind of stuff. So what I didn't know that was that I was on probation. I didn't know that. I thought I had the job and I thought I was cushy. But uh, uh, three weeks later, uh, well, literally every, every single day, I used to uh, come back with a blue plaster. And by the end of the week, I was literally like, I was like a blue smurf man. <laughs> You know what I mean? So I was, was like from burns, burns and everything, yeah. mate, health, mate, mate, you got it. Making eight Big Macs in two minutes, mate. That was some record going, mate. Um, so, uh, so three weeks later, I had a review. And I thought to myself, what's this review all about? Nobody talking about this review. And then uh, literally, um, I failed every aspect, mate. <laughs> they uh, they didn't give me the job. But I thought I had the job and I was like, I was cursing the, uh, the regional manager because he didn't prep me you didn't tell me that this is a situation this is what you have to do you're gonna to have to pass the probation for you to get a, a more permanent role I didn't know that so I thought because I was cushy I was taking my time and everything just just lapsy daisy relax how I, I was more ch I was chilled more than anything else so we're literally in the thought realized that wow well, sugar I've not got the job I haven't passed probation I'm gonna get my ass whooped my yeah. man. Yeah. So obviously, like, then I had to come up with an excuse, and uh, I just said, I just told my old man that uh, I uh, quit because uh, he knew I was getting burnt left, right, and centre. I said it's not worth it, kind of stuff. And back in those days, uh, minimum wage was two pound twenty-five an hour. So to make a hundred quid, you got to do fifty hours worth Is that for of work. Under 18s? Under six, well, sixteen. Yeah, 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 under eighteen. Yeah, yeah. two pound twenty-five an hour. Bloody loving it. So literally, like you know, all, <laughs> all week, <laughs> absolutely, all week, hundred quid. Uh, just about get me a top. All that labour. So then obviously, um, my mum also was ringing around, she rang a few of her mates to see if, like, if her son's had any jobs going. So my mate, um, a good mate of mine, he um, he obviously like reached out to me because your mum's rang my mum and obviously she says that you need a job. And I was like, yeah, I do. Okay, this is the situation, this is a job, come and see me and I'll tell you more about it. So I went there and um, and it was a company called Stay Bright. And obviously, like, same again, it's like, it's not what you know, it's who you know kind of stuff. Same again, I did, my attitude was kind of like stinky compared to exactly the same as McDonald's. I thought it was cushy, I got the job. I, this time I knew that I had the job. Yeah. But what I didn't know, that it was performance related. So obviously, took each day that comes on, like I took advantage of whatever training got, but I wasn't 100% on it, on it kind of thing. Then obviously it came to a situation where um, I was given like a, a day notice that, listen, Ahmed, your results are not great. Like, you know, this is a performance related job. Uh, unfortunately, if you don't get anything today, we're going to have to let you go. And that back in those days, I was telesales, um, so literally cold calling customers and obviously pitching for free quotation for windows and doors. So I thought to myself, then I started having a flashback, obviously, like you know, like my old man having got me when I got potted from McDonald's. That was your, all your motivation in them days. Oh my gosh, absolutely. <laughs> and then I thought to myself, you know what, I cannot go for that same situation again because I'm just going to be an embarrassment. And then obviously, and the way I said our family community is, is that once I know that, like you know, he's been sacked by a couple of jobs, like this kid has got no hope. So literally, I thought to myself, sugar, I gotta buck up and do something today. So literally, my shift was finishing at eight o'clock. 
and uh, I remember, I think it was roughly around 642, 642, 743, I come across a drop-on. Now a drop-on is a customer who actually is in the market for double glazing. Now they don't come very rarely, we call, it, we call them drop-ons, we call them cherry on top of the bakewell. So there's quite a few names of customers, punters, who's always uh, who's actually in the market. So you had to like, call them at the right place at the right time. So luckily that customer came along, uh, Mrs. Pearson her name was, I'll never forget her. Um, so she literally kind of like saved me. Then I started to do like one quotation a week, one quotation a week, then started to become two, 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 then three, 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 three. And then obviously then we, we, knew, we met at a, a company um, called Status. Um, and then literally, I think that was, I was, was I, I don't think I was at my peak then. Um, Amber was, was the time where I was literally at, at my high state, but status, I was there, thereabouts, I would say. I wasn't 100%, I was probably like 90, 95%. Um, so literally, um, 23 years later, uh, in the industry, I'm like a celebrity now. I've, I've held records, I've smashed every record, you've seen my accomplishments. Um, uh, Christmas parties, literally I'd clean up on everything when all the holidays that uh, that uh, the bosses used to throw, throw at us. Those are the good times, we had some great, great fun, great laughs, um, you know what I mean? So we had some great people in our lives then as well. So those were definitely good old days. Me and my cousin we were talking about that as well, that those four years in that company were probably one of the most highlighted special moments in, 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 my, in my career. And I think obviously like, you know, with, um, with the kind of people we had there as well, I was more, more flashy. I was more glory than fortune, more, if you know what I mean, fortune and glory. I was more glory and fortune. I was earning some great money, don't get me wrong, but for me, it was more the reputation. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Just the reputation that literally, like, you know, that I was literally unstoppable, untouchable. And uh, it was great that we used to do good things. I think one of my favorite times of the year, Christmas was, I, I love Christmas, even to now, I love Christmas. But I think, you, I think you'll probably agree with me on this. I think our favorite part of the year was Halloween. When yeah. we used to dress up, um, I was I think, thinking about this the other day. Yeah. Cause it wasn't Halloween too it, long. It's, it's, funny, it's funny how you say that. It came up in my memories on my iOS uh, <laughs> a couple of weeks ago as well. And I remember you and your Venom Spider Venom um, onesie was absolutely <laughs> wicked. And um, it was literally those things you just remember and uh, the incentives that used to give, like the best dress Halloween costume. And I thought, so you know what? It's I just generally see it as a competition. Uh, my first, I think the first Halloween thing that we probably did, I was literally, I remember, um, I came in in the morning and you were running, I think you were running the morning shift then, and you were running the evening shift. And literally I knew that, you know what, my, uh, my costume was sick. I was like, I came as like a skeleton thing and uh, I thought, you know what, I'm gonna win this money. I'm gonna win this money. And then the second, then the evening shift came, right, yeah, I had to wait all day to see who won. And the evening shift came and literally everybody rolled up. I thought, yeah, I've got it in the bag. Then this girl, right, yeah, she turned up, right, blonde girl, right, she spent all day doing her makeup. And I saw her and I fell to the floor. Yeah. I'm like, that, that money gone. <laughs> yeah. That money gone. <laughs> I waited all day to get that hundred pound, right, yeah. She walks in and I'm like, I can't believe it. I was Nate. <laughs> I, I, I lost. I can't believe it. The money gone. And then obviously, like, that uh, boss came in waving the money and I think, thought she was going to give it to me. And then she saw her, oh, freaking hell, there you go, love. And I'm like, no. And then the, I thought, you know what? Next year, that's it, next year. <laughs> and then I was like, next year, I actually got spent more money on my costume than I actually then you won. That I won. <laughs> so I made a, made a bit of a loss. It's for the glory again. It was the glory, it's the glory, mate. Glory. It's the glory. It's glory. It's good fun, man. Yeah. I, was, I was telling my partner about um, 
when we used to dress we used to put the the spider webs the facts yes everywhere yeah around yeah yeah that was good and we did apple bobbing we had, and i don't know if you remember we had this I massive remember. crate massive crate yes we put that apples in with all the apples it was, it was fun great. but then for like months after we just left it in the corner <laughs> that office like it was, it, was, it was really like heavy and it, we was upstairs there was no lift oh, no. And i was like i don't know how we're gonna ever get rid of this it's just gonna just stay there and make it. cider just, just, just hope it gets robbed or something yeah, yeah no it was it was, uh, those, I was like, there's loads loads of little things that we used to do uh, that made that workplace fun but I think you know what even me, on my canvassing days like I, I, like that was absolutely amazing but you know what I think I had the most fun when I became branch manager in King's Eve, King's Eve I yeah. think that was a great that I think that was my first ever branch management role uh, that uh, the boss gave an opportunity because they were on my case to take over the role for quite some time Remember, but mm. I wanted to finish the year off with a bang because, because obviously we had some good good canvases back in those days. But literally, I always used to say that these guys are n- nowhere near on my level. Um, so I always go by. I was very statistics. I was a very statistical man. Still am to this day. So I would normally go back to this time last year. What did I do this week last year? And my aim was to beat that. So every week, I'd always want to up my game compared to myself. So my competition was me a year ago. So I had deliberately had set, um, uh, our boss, sorry, to um, line up my certificates over the years on the wall where we're walking up the stairs. I so yeah. I would that would be my motivation. So I see right that year I did that, that year I did that, that year I did that. So in the next year, this year, I want it to be higher. So it was like a staircase, and that was that. Well, that's what used to drive me. That's what used to motivate me um, the most. And then obviously, then she said to me, listen, Ahmed, you've done everything that you needed to do. You've got nothing left to prove. You you are like, you know, definitely without doubt, uh, one of the goats in the industry. So you need to like, you know, there's another chapter that you need in your story. Your story's not finished yet. You need, there's another chapter. And I think you'll be great at, and you know what? And um, I thank her for it because it was a whole another chapter. And then she took took me in the deep end because the branch of the club, uh, look after the King's Eath one, was uh, a, a dive, to be mm-hmm. honest with you. Uh, never, never exceeded. It was like the uh, the wild, wild west uh, of the company. To be honest with you, it was like a shambles. Any manager that went in there that trying to sort that branch out failed miserably. Um, they just didn't know how to sort that branch out. So obviously the uh, three bosses um, wanted me to to sort that branch out. So I thought, you know what, it's uh, it's, it's a new challenge. I've always liked challenges, so let me let's see what I can do, and I, and I, and I think I like the, the the fact that I had a lot of power in terms of like not be a dictator, but do things my way, mm. and control bring, control yeah, have yeah. it in my control, keep the, the them them out of it, like the bosses out of it. That's going to be my baby, and I was going to make it the way I wanted to make it. So luckily, I had a good team. Uh, had yourself there, I had a few other people there as well. We had some great telcan, uh, had some great reps uh, as well. I remember my first four months, we broke the company record, and it was great. It was a, it was a, it was a whole different buzz, and I loved it. And, and and one thing I loved is that I was in control of our run nights as well, and that's where everybody used to want it to be a part of. Even just, people. Sorry, I just want going, to explain for for people who might not know what a run night is. So it was like basically the end of the month. Um, there was a rush to get that the last bit of money in for the mainly for the sales guys, but it benefited everyone in the company Mm -hmm. so this last month everyone like sort of well the sales reps particularly worked late but as a celebration there would be an office party correct so that's what i run that basically was it was essentially office parties it'd be like yeah pizzas or drinks and we used to play games and that kind of stuff so and get the drinks in yeah i didn't drink but 
But yeah, we used to get the drinks and we used to be a, a proper party. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was great. Good. Yeah, and it was good. good and and and, um, and one thing I loved about the run nights I used to hold is that we had people from Leicester, Nuneaton, Summit. We had quite a lot of people come make all the way to attend the King's Eve one because that was like an epic, epic. That was uh, like no, we 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 knew how to do our run nights well. And also having the dartboard in the office as well. You know what I mean? Some great, great, great times as well. So no, it was it was more. I would say it's more of a family environment. Our branch was. Um, but we knew that when the work, when shit had to get done, shit got done. So we'd work hard, and then we would definitely play hard. We'd probably like you know during the I remember during the Christmas period, um, we actually open up, and I got pe- people came in voluntarily, painting, just painting the office. Yeah. yeah, just give us ourselves a great start for the new year, and that and that year was a, an epic thing. I think that um, everybody's mindset. I think everybody shared my vision. Uh, everybody wanted to be a part of it. And we and we were just we were absolutely successful, um, and we were we were just like you know breaking record after record after record, and had some great people and some great money as well. So that was good, some good good times. So um, <clears throat> then, unfortunately for the company, uh, they got into a bit of trouble uh, with uh, some counselling authorities, training standards, unfortunately. So the company couldn't go on much longer, which is a great shame, really, because obviously, like you know, that was uh, a great um, like you know a part of my life that I wish. That I could repeat. Mm-hmm. There's uh, certain things that I wish I could repeat. And there's some things obviously for life lessons that you don't want to repeat. But but that's probably one of the uh, one of the sessions that I would love to like uh, go again, uh, which is absolutely amazing. So since then, obviously, like you know, I've been around other companies, and obviously, when you get a certain reputation in the industry of knowing what you've accomplished, it's not difficult to get a job because you're getting headhunted or you're getting pitched left, right, and centre. It's just, it's just mad, and um, and the the love is absolutely brilliant. So, I'll say the last few years, I've actually been like, I want to say, <clears throat> fallen out of love in the industry. I think I've, I've done everything and anything that needed to You've be done. I've, I've done it all, and it, it's literally, I know there's other chapters in my life that I can do. I mean, like, I've always believed that I'm destined for greatness, and I 100% still believe that now. I've conquered the win, I've, I've created my greatness in there, but I don't think my greatness is, is, is just that. So I do believe that above and beyond, I've got more to, more to give. Um, so um, so last few years, I've kind of like, I wouldn't say fallen out of love with the industry, but I haven't been as that same passion, that same on it compared to previously mm-hmm. as, uh, as previous years. So I think everybody wants to be financially free. I think everybody wants to be rich. Um, if, that, if, that, if that's not a dream or if that's not a goal, then obviously like, you know, that's, that's entirely, but I've got a goal that I want to be independently financially free. I want to travel the world. Uh, I don't want. I want. I want. I don't want to work for the money. I want money to work for me. Um, so obviously, like you know, there's obviously people that make six, seven figures every single month, every single weekday kind of stuff. And I think, how do these guys do it? Kind of stuff. You know, nobody gets rich doing nine to five. And I've, and I've always said that. So getting out in the industry, I need to move forward now. If I find myself a nine to five job, I'll be going a million miles per hour backwards. Mm-hmm. I'm not made for the nine to five life. And, I've done, and it's a shame, really, because I, I personally believe that a lot of people. Um, the government pay you a salary, a salary, so you can sacrifice your dreams. Yeah, basically, yeah. So I do, I, and, I, and I do, and I do genuinely believe that. So the, it, the salary is what they pay you. It is so you can sacrifice what you want to do. It's what they're it. saying. Your your time's worth exactly. Your time's worth nine pounds Abs- an hour. Absolutely, or absolutely. No, I totally agree with you. So obviously, if one has to, one has to achieve. One has to believe, and I believe that I'm definitely destined for for more. So in the last, uh, like you know, I'll fast forward and last last um, tw- uh, twelve eighteen months, I'm gonna I'm gonna get to the pandemic because the pandemic era has been 
uh, probably the most important part of my life, which I'll get to very shortly. But it, it, I've started to, I've realized now that obviously I've been doing quite a lot of reading as well, that an average millionaire has minimum of seven sources of income. Mm-hmm. And, and now I've started to believe that you're one job away from being broke. So if the pandemic has taught me anything, it's definitely taught me that. I was going to ask you, uh, so coming to the pandemic now, because yes. it was something I was going to lead up to. Okay. Um, how, how did that affect you in that industry? Because obviously, for people who don't know as well, the, the window game is very, you know, you're, you're not employed, you're self-employed. No, correct. Um, correct. Most, nine times out of ten, there's no wage. If there is, it's not a good wage. Correct. It's, it's, it's your, your bulk of money comes from commission. Pandemic, I think, I don't think anybody was ready for it. Yeah. I don't think our government was ready for it. The whole world wasn't ready for it in, in this. So we kind of, like, like anybody else, kind of like took each day as it comes. So unfortunately, in the as you as you know, um, in the in the winter game, you're self-employed. You're not PAY. You're self-employed, mm-hmm. and obviously you don't qualify for certain things like furlough. You don't qualify for certain like you know you don't get certain benefits. So if you don't work, you don't get paid. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, the company I was actually working for, based in Wolverhampton, and I was overseeing their trade division, <clears throat> and they're, they're not a big outlet, but uh, the guys who own it are dear good friends of mine. So I was working for them to help them out as well to, uh, they've got their own factory where they make all the windows and doors, etc. They've got good marketing operations. So I was kind of like overseeing the company uh, parts for them. So it was, uh, it was a good company to, to work for. Then obviously the pandemic hit, they were forced to shut down like anybody, like any other business. Um, and uh, literally like, you know, we just didn't know how long it was going to be. And it took a bit of time for them to get back open again. So <clears throat> being at home was great, especially being with, uh, being with the kids was amazing um, to begin with anyway because it's like you know it was just like you know get seen them every single day because our lifestyle my, my life was quite busy like I'd take them to school in the morning uh, then I'd go to work then obviously the wife would actually pick them up then I'd come home do you feel like you missed out on, did it, well, did it make <coughs> you feel like you had missed out on anything at that point I, to be honest with you um, not really because that was that's life like in anybody mm-hmm. else you, you have to go through that and obviously as time goes on you get to spend more time with the children obviously they're in education you're working etc so that's part of life and obviously like you know it's um it's, it's different but obviously like you know finances dictate a lot of things um so if you've got a lot of money then you can actually let you go anywhere around the world and you can do what you want kind of thing um but uh, but being around with the kids all the time was great it was like amazing uh, like you know we we're doing a lot of things but it's same again we tried to do a lot of things in-house because we weren't allowed to go out like anybody else. We weren't allowed to go to the shops. The shops were shut. We couldn't do anything. We'd go for walks. And I was thinking we'd be wearing our masks, etc. But <clears throat> it felt like we were in a prison. Mm. So the whole, I think that a lot of people um, felt like that as well. So it, it, it was very, very challenging. Very, very challenging um, as time went on. It, was, it got more and more difficult because... As you know, I've always been a workaholic. And yeah. before I got married, before I had children, I used to work seven days a week. Same again, the reason why I used to work seven days a week is because it was more glory over fortune. Uh, money was great, don't get me wrong, but obviously I had to be the best at what I did. So literally, whoever my rival was, I needed to pee on their parade kind of stuff. So if I had to work seven days to do it, I'd work seven days to do it. Um, so yeah, so I used to work seven days a week, but then obviously get married, obviously got children, obviously your priorities get Change, do change obviously mm-hmm. so doing seven days was literally not ha- wasn't going to happen because obviously I need to give time to my family and like you know, show them a good time as well so that was very very important so as time gone it got very 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 difficult um, and, and I was itching to get into work um, so I needed to do, to do something um, but same again you're one job away from being broke and and that's the way we were. We had literally hardly any money. Look, I had a bit of finances put away, oh, right. so that's guy covering the bills, etc. Um, <clears throat> so that that was okay. But 
it, it, it was very very challenging on the, on the marriage and uh, just relationships you know what I mean just being in each other's hair all the time all wasn't the time. good because yeah. uh, we, we weren't used to it kind of stuff you know what I mean so it's like I say it's uh, and obviously I was doing my research as well this pandemic has been like you know uh, like the, the divorce rate's gone up like about 300% you know what I mean one in two families have been divorced so, and, I, and I totally understand it and I totally get it um, it's very 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 difficult um, it's, it's you know what I mean I mean like I believe now um, I'm going to get to COVID very very shortly um, but it's, it's it's mad how obviously with the stats that come out on a daily basis I mean like you'd always read something negative in the news never never positive never they'll never say oh this many people survived COVID yeah. you'll always hear this many people died from COVID yeah. so obviously they would obviously send you alarm bells and all that kind of stuff so put the fear of God into you um, so <clears throat> did you so it was like everything it became really negative we weren't allowed to go out, we weren't allowed to go to shops, this restaurants are closed, this, that and all that kind of stuff. And it was, just, it was obviously like a horrible place to be in. And obviously like, you know, COVID was probably the greatest killer of all time. It killed the flu, it killed heart attacks, it yeah. killed diabetes. Everything, everything was it, going down. It killed as, every, as, as COVID. COVID. So yeah. COVID, the, the biggest, greatest killer of all time, I, yeah. I would say, killed everything, you know what I mean? Killed, killed cancer. You know what I mean, uh, he, he, believe it or not, he even killed ISIS because there's nothing about <laughs> ISIS around that period as well. So yeah. uh, that's one. If the one thing came out of COVID that was good, he killed he, ISIS. He even right? killed Brexit for a little bit. Killed Brexit. He did. He did. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah killed Brexit. It's come back now. It's gone away. Yeah. Well, now it's going it's, away. It's, uh, it's lingering at the moment. Yeah. It's lingering. Yeah. Uh, fuck, I can't get a hint. Um, <laughs> but um, but yeah, no, it's um, it's uh, it was very 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 challenging. And um, as time got on, I mean, like I I. I thought I was like literally invincible really because obviously I was very cautious and all the bits and pieces and to be honest you never in my wildest dreams I thought you know what statistically is it going to affect me am I going to catch it statistically no but I still kind of be cautious because of the kids and all that kind of stuff so we were still, still had some good disciplines in the house so we were always washing our hands etc um, always wearing our mask if we went out that kind of stuff but you know what no matter how many warnings you can get take how many um whatever precaution get there if you're destined to catch covid you're going to catch covid regardless because it's in the air and um no matter how much how much safety net you think you've got if you're going to catch it you're going to catch it and unfortunately back end of obviously this pandemic kind of thing where we all thought we were home and dry i actually got covid i had my first jab uh prior and my second jab was due on a um friday Oh, so, it's, so you're quite towards the back end back of, the, end. of the pandemic Correct. when you got it right? Correct, yeah, absolutely. So I was very good throughout health-wise, all throughout the whole pandemic, but back end of it. Um, so I had my first jab in May, and then my next jab was due in September. Um, and on the Friday, I was supposed to have my jab, but I caught COVID on the Wednesday. So two days prior. So... <clears throat> I thought it was just a tickly cough that's what it started up with because the guy I used to work with well that I do work with the weather was pretty decent you know what I mean so we were eating ice creams all the time and I'm not much of an ice cream geezer kind of stuff you know what I mean but if I like an ice cream I'll eat it but he was hooked on ice cream so he'd <laughs> yeah. go to Morrison and buy a pack of ice creams every single day and I'd be having it every single day as well because you know what it's quite nice um, and then I thought I was catching it I got a tickly cough because of, uh, of the ice cream and then, um, and then um, my auntie, she gave me a call. I was with her over the weekend at an event. Um, basically, a good uh, family friend. He's a world professional kickboxer. He's got a fight coming up um, in a couple of weeks' time. And uh, he was going for his 50th fight. 
and uh, he's he's a he was a world kickboxing champion. Uh, he had three out of the four belts, and the fourth belt he was actually gunning for. Um, unfortunately, that that night he was undefeated, uh, amateur and professional. Unfortunately, the the night didn't go his way. He got he, the his opponent um, from Ireland caught him with a lucky punch, and uh, and that's what it was. It's definitely a lucky punch, but he's got another match. He's got another fight coming up in a couple of weeks' time. So. Uh, uh, obviously, the uh, comeback is always better than the setback. Yeah. Um, so, was, so I was really proud of him to be fair how he handled his disappointment. But uh, obviously, it was quite a large, quite a large event, and uh, and my my auntie was with on that Sunday. She um, rang me up on that Wednesday um, when I was actually coughing a bit, saying that she's uh, been tested positive for COVID. She goes out like me and you've been in contact, so you need to get yourself checked out. I'm like bloody hell, that's all I need. So uh, <clears throat> I went to uh, the test centre, uh, the car park in um, Solihull, and I got myself a PCR test in there. Um, and I got the results the next day that I was tested positive. And to be honest with you, I could, uh, literally on that day, it was I was getting worse. You, you knew it before you I got knew the result, it. Yeah, basically. I knew it, yeah. I was more, fatigue was all time high. I was getting vertigo, I was coughing. I was drained, very did you, drained. Did you? Because I've heard I, I didn't catch it myself, but um, you're very lucky, mate. Yeah, I, I, I believe so as well. Although I was really ill for time, I took yeah. tests and it said negative. But yeah. I do know that it can happen yeah. with the uh, lateral flows that they correct they don't come back. They if you do have yeah, it. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're about they're sixty percent reliable. Yeah. So I, there's a, there's a slight chance that I did have it because I was really really bad for a few mm-hmm. days. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I've heard. Sorry, that's where I was going. Yeah, I heard that your like muscles really ache. They do. Like really. Yeah, bad. yeah. It, they they do. They you feel, um, literally you feel helpless because you can't lift anything because you're literally your body is in that much agony. Um, my main issue was my breathing, and uh, I was at home for three days. Um, I was living. I was staying. And my mum and dad's because obviously I don't want to pass anything on to think about. But my mum and dad they live in a flat and they got a loft, uh, a room in the loft. So that's where I was staying for my um, while I was trying to heal. So three days I was uh, up there trying to be as careful as possible, wearing gloves, coming down with a mask, like dead all the whole place out, bleach. Everyone go to the toilet, bleach the crap out of it, um, and uh, literally like, like trying to cover my tracks because I know that my mum and dad were going to use the bathroom. Going to make sure that I have to protect them. So, literally on the third day, um, I got really, really bad. Couldn't I was in bed, couldn't move, and uh, my breathing was very, very bad. I could not breathe at all. Um, my my blood pressure was low. My sugar, everything was low. So my sister, um, I FaceTime my sister quickly and said, "Call the ambulance." So they called the ambulance. The paramedics came, checked, did all my readings. They said, "You got. We got to get you to hospital ASAP." Gotta get you there. No ifs, no buts. So they put a drip on me, put uh, um, a cannula in my in my veins. Um, so, uh, but it was very challenging to get me downstairs because I was literally on the third floor. Yeah. So li- literally, I had to like slide on my backside going downstairs, and I was like getting vertigo and all that kind of stuff. And there's a wheelchair really waiting for me. So we come out of the flat. Then obviously there's another set of flares. So it's just another set set of stairs. So basically, the one pan, uh, paramedic was on one side of, behind the wheelchair, and then one on the the front carrying the foot so they were carrying me down the stairs mm-hmm. rolled me into the ambulance and they took me to uh, Heartlands Hospital so it was my sister and my brother-in-law that let the um, ambulance people in and uh, I was hoping that I was going to be taken to QE because obviously like I've had some really good reviews about people with QE and to be fair like you know from family history Heartlands Hospital ain't been great to us haven't been kind to us 
so I didn't want to go Heartlands, but I was told that we have to go Heartlands. Yeah. So I'm like, well, okay, fine. So I <clears throat> got to Heart- Heartlands. I was in A and E for a good nine hours, and um, I was on a, on a breathing apparatus. Um, they were checking my uh, sugar levels, blood levels, everything uh, every half an hour. Uh, but that that breathing machine that they gave me helped in certain areas. So. Um, so yeah, no, um, had a lot of phlegm coming out as well. So, uh, so I was like vomiting a little bit, and then I had this. Uh, so I had some good nurses over there. And then this one complete and utter waste man of a doctor or a nurse, whoever, right? Yeah, literally comes up to me, right? You're all cocky and arrogant and all that kind of stuff. Said to me like, you know, um, yeah, no, we've just checked your results and everything. Your kidneys are a little bit low, but we aim to get you out of here in twenty four hours. And I literally took my mask off and I said, "Are you are you uh, for, for real?" What are you talking about my kidneys for? My kidneys are absolutely fine. There's nothing wrong with my kidneys. Are you sure you're talking to the right patient? Mm. They're like, mm, I don't know. I might be, I might not be. Well, do me a favour. Go back to your desk. Get the right file. Then come back to me. Because you think that I'm going to be walking out here in 24 hours. You've got another thing coming. You ain't got a clue what the hell I'm going through right now. So I literally ripped into him. Yeah, yeah, You know what I mean? Yeah. Absolutely ripped into him. Just, it, it, I think it was more how arrogantly he walked in and how confidently he sounded to me kind of stuff you know what I mean and I thought to myself you know what there's no way that these guys are going to let me go in 24 hours no way so literally I was in A&E for 8-9 hours because I waited for a bed to come available in the ward so obviously COVID wards are quite limited over there so obviously because of the social distancing and that kind of stuff so literally nobody's allowed to go in there unless if you're a patient no visiting no nothing so it was quite horrible so eventually they got me a bed up there so um, went upstairs and literally there was three there was in, in the ward there was four beds and obviously one of them was going to be mine and the other three were like literally there's two guys literally knocking on death's door they had been there for weeks and i knew that they're going to be gone anytime soon um it's not the so, most motivation i know it's not it's not things, sort of it? seeing them and i thought to myself you know what sugar uh i i just my heart sank kind of thing and then literally i was, I was in my bed and um they were like you know shouting and all that kind of stuff you know what i mean so i didn't i wasn't very very comfortable but you got to do what you got to do kind of stuff so uh, and I, by then i hadn't eaten in about 13 14 hours so i was sort of starving so obviously they, they gave me some food and to be fair for for hospital staff food was pretty decent to be fair i've got to give them that the food. what did you have to be honest with you i can't there's quite a few things that i remember on that day itself um it was fish and chips uh with peas um and uh, a cheesecake for dessert <laughs> the cheesecake you know what you know what i school cheesecake I've never tasted anything like it. The actual, the, the biscuit was rock solid and the cheese is very, very fluffy. School cheesecakes were absolutely sensational and that's exactly how it was. Brought back childhood memories and I literally had three, I had three rounds of it. Did you? It was sensational. Uh, it was more. stunning. More. Honestly, that cheesecake was absolutely heavenly. Um, so, uh, so yeah, so the food, the food, I've got to say with Heartlands, the food was pretty, pretty decent. Um, but sleeping was, was horrible because obviously I was on the breathing apparatus that was doing most of my breathing for me I was on the drip so my movements were limited um, so I, I didn't sleep too too good um, in the whole my whole I was there for eight days so my du- whole duration wasn't very very good to be honest with you um, but I had to drink a lot of water and I'm not a water geezer yeah. you know I mean I'm not a, I'm, I'm a cocoholic I'm talking about the drink not the powder yeah. you know what I mean mate? <laughs> 
I'd, I'd, I'd rather the bad I'm naturally high, mate. You know what I mean? Um, but yeah, the, no, I'm, I've, I've always been a coke drinking geezer. Always have been. Always probably always will be. But I'm in a good phase of not drinking it. But I'm back on it now. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got to be little. You got to have your little treats. Little man. treats, mate. Little yeah, treats, mate. You got to have them. Standard procedure. Um, so literally, yeah. So literally, I was drinking water every forty-five minutes, and because I couldn't go to the toilet, I was peeing in a uh, recycled water bottle. Oh really? So literally, I was set up on the side of it and peeing and that kind of stuff. Didn't they have a um? I forgot what it's called. I, sh- I don't the, know. A, a commode. Uh, yeah. A commode. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. I would be using that for my number two right, kind of right, stuff. Right. But literally, you know the staff in Heartlands, right? Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. They probably might sue me for this. But I don't give a shit. Um, basically, the daytime staff, you know that they're there for the care of the people. Yeah. You just know that they're here to help. But the night people, right, yeah, are all contractors, are all agent workers. So they're there for the money. Yeah, just for the They're bank, there yeah. for the money. And the, the, the rudeness of the evening staff were absolutely diabolical, honestly. I used to have to have assistance to move around. And the nurse would say to me, Mr. Barber, what, why, why, why do you need help for this for? And I said, because you ain't got a clue what the hell I'm going through. I can't stand up. So you have no right to ask me that kind of question. So I was quite ratty with quite a few of the evening staff, to be honest with you. But I was like, I'm a very patient geezer. Mm-hmm. I'm a very, very patient geezer. And like there were times that I had to like, I want to say beg for water, but ask more than required. You know what yeah. I mean? And then I would just get stupid results. Yeah, we're doing your rounds in the next half an hour. I said, no, I need water now. Yeah, I'm in hospital, not jail. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and that's what it felt like, to be honest with you. That's what it felt like. Um, so it was, it was, it was, some parts were pleasant, but quite a lot of it was uh, was very, very um, not not pleasant to talk to. Be fair, um, so literally, like you know, I was getting disturbed in the night because I was taking my uh, my antibiotics, uh, my obviously I was t- taking steroid tablets tablets as well. So literally, I was like medication constantly. Um, so literally, you couldn't sleep, you couldn't because you had to, you were disturbed. So I bet that brought your mood down. A oh, hundred percent, well. without a doubt, without a doubt, yeah. because I see the blood pressures, and I was like they were injecting uh, stuff in my stomach as well to stop the swelling and all that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? Um, so I was going, went, went through a lot, and I think it was on my fourth day in the hospital that I completely, like, I went kind of like numb. I couldn't feel any of my bodily functions. I couldn't. I wasn't in control of it. So I had to wear like an adult nappy, mm. adult nappy for a good four or five days. And it wasn't pleasant. I think that was probably the lowest part of my life. Know that basically you had to have the nurses to like sit you to the side to wipe your bum, sit you to the side to wipe the other side of it, kind of stuff, change sheets because you got shit all over it, all the place, you know what I mean? So it was just like, you know what I mean? I'm not, you feel I'm, a bit dehumanised. Yeah, well, without a doubt, yeah. without a doubt. And I thought that if there's any time that life can be cruel, this is definitely it, mate, you know what I mean? And literally, one of the nights, um, I just like, I had a pri- private. Um, like a private moment with uh, with uh, the Almighty, and I said, "Listen, if my time is up now, don't put me through any more crap. Take me now." Mm-hmm. That's what I said because I, I really I've got I haven't got the energy to fight no more. I really haven't. Cause I've never been in this situation before, and I've, I've got like you know I've never been tested mm-hmm. certain like thresholds. Never been tested. I've been blessed, uh, but that was definitely the lowest part of my life. So I literally gave up. You know what I mean? And I'm, I'm not ashamed to admit it. Um, and I think many people in my situation there would probably would have probably would have done the same kind of stuff. But uh, I said and I said to sit and I said to like and I was uh, you heard me. I said listen, if I'm not destined to do any more in my life now, take me now. But if I am, give me the strength. And lo and behold, 
The next day, he gave me the strength. I started to feel a bit better. Started to get a bit more energy in me. I started to like you know my bodily functions started to come back into play. I can control when to go to the toilet, kind of stuff. So literally, bits of hope. Bit, bit of hope. Yeah, hundred percent. So I was sitting up. I could start eating again. There was there was times that they were going to put me on a feed feed me through a, a drip kind of thing. You know what I mean? Because uh, literally, I couldn't taste anything. Uh, lost the smell taste you know what I mean everything was tasting like chewy like rub to me so literally as those days got uh, on uh, probably about the fifth day sixth day seventh day around that area I started to walk around started to get a bit of energy but I was getting breathless so I was pacing myself so I could walk like on the side of the ward probably four or five times then I'd have to stop because my mind does a thing about so I was try, I had to use a commode for the number two while my energy levels were low and then literally I used to get annoyed like you know so the, the daytime nurses were great because they wiped me because I didn't have the strength to clean myself but yet the evening ones would make you do it yourself you know what I mean so different level of care kind of stuff mm-hmm. so um, so yeah so it was literally I was using the commode like every um, probably every hour hour and a half uh, I was literally like a you lot know, of stuff was flushing through my system it's all diarrhea mm-hmm. all diarrhea um, and then obviously like you know, the fifth, sixth, seventh day that I had the energy to, to walk to the toilet with my drip and all that kind of stuff but I would sit in that toilet for a good hour pace myself but it felt good though it felt great it felt great but you, you know, never felt did, so good to go to the toilet not great just, just walking again you know yeah, how grateful I was that I could walk without assistance you know what I mean little things that you take for granted in life right here is that you, when you get to a situation like in that point, point in your life right here you understand you know what shit I was truly truly blessed you know what I mean and now um, like every, every, life was heading in a positive way my health is getting better come out on the other side of it which I thought I wasn't um, so literally, like it was a bit, it was it was very very like a bad emotional rollercoaster. So literally a day before I was going to get discharged, uh, it came to my knowledge that my mom, um, she was being uh, admitted to hospital because she caught COVID for me. How? Why? When? I haven't got a clue. We try to be careful as possible, but same again if you're destined to catch it, you're destined to catch it. And the problem my mom is was as well that um, she has kidney failure as well, so she was on dialysis. So she already was like you know um, vulnerable, vulnerable yeah. exactly. So she would be going to her dialysis sessions at Solihull Hospital twice a week, Monday and a Friday, uh, and that was quite challenging for her as well, going through the needles, blood and all that kind of stuff. So it was it was a horrible situation for her. Um, so um, so she went into hospital and we were like. Um, so we were just praying that, like, you know, and I was just praying that. I just wish that she doesn't get it anywhere near or even half as near as bad as I had it. Because in my mind, if she did, whether she's going to survive or not, the chances were going to limit, were going to be very limited. Um, so I just prayed, prayed, prayed that she didn't get it anywhere near as bad as me. But as each day she was in hospital, she was in hospital for three weeks, um, her breathing was getting worse, things, things weren't getting good, her dialysis were getting more spaced out. Uh, because they can only do it so 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 long mm-hmm. so over a period of time and um, then obviously um, we were told that she would need to go on a ventilator and that kind of broke our heart to be fair but we did hear a few other people that we did know that been on ventilators that come out of it six weeks later healthy and we were just clinging on and hope that that was going to be the same situation but uh, one of my dad's closest mates uh, brother 37 years old he passed away uh, to COVID at that particular period while my mum was in hospital 
Um, so and that gave us another more dampener. Mm. Thirty-seven year old lad, not a single health issue, he's passed away through COVID, and mum's got all this kind of stuff. And we're like comparing uh, the situations, and like shit, what do we do? So it was, it was very, very, it was very tough. Um, and like when I got home, it was even then I was recovering. Um, I still needed assistance. I still needed to like you know, take my time because I was still having breathing issues, etc. It's quite, um, I can imagine it's quite like traumatizing mentally. As oh, well. without so you're definitely, mentally yeah, as yeah, well. absolutely. Just everything, uh, <clears throat> you know what I mean? Just get trying to do what you can to go back to normal, that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? And plus, you've got to be extra careful when you're home as well because obviously, uh, my mom was in the hospital, dad was still okay, uh, but I was still wearing my gloves and all that kind of stuff, making sure that like dad on the cat because I still had COVID, I was still, you know what I mean? I was still positive for COVID. Um, so I actually still so, isolate. When the, when, yeah, so did the hospital the hospital discharge you because you was yeah. moving about and stuff? They discharged me because they, they, they needed the bed. They needed the bed, right. They yeah. needed a bed, mate, yeah, to be yeah. honest with you. But I was well enough. Uh, so each day I was getting better uh, in certain things. Um, positives, positives, and all that kind of stuff. So literally uh, I was almost 100%. And then obviously um, mom got worse. We were called into hospital and... Um, we were said that listen, um, your mom's on a machine, and we need to um, um, talk to you about switching off because her organs are shutting down, and we can't do anything at all. So, um, so that was that was hard to hear, uh, hard to hear. So literally, uh, the next day came. Um, they were going to switch the machine off. So me, my, my dad, and my sister, and my brother-in-law, we all went to the hospital, and just and um, said our goodbyes um, before they switched the switch machine. So that was very, very heartbreaking. So I was still recovering then as well. So, did you get to go into the hospital? Yeah, we were because obviously um, they only allow family in a maximum of four people, if it's to to say goodbyes. Yeah. So, but we had to wear proper Back to the Future spacesuits kind of thing PPE. Um, and then obviously dispose of it afterwards. So it was um, it was quite horrible to be fair. Um, and then um, so yeah no. Um, and then we did the funeral for my mum, and she's buried obviously around the corner over here. So every Sunday it is uh, like quite religious to us that we go see her every Sunday. So it's uh, it's tough. But I mean like I've always been a mummy's boy. Uh, I always have been. Always um, like you know. Would say like always will be but in my heart i, I will be always i remember you always used to talk highly of your mom as yeah, well. yeah like she she's like you know she 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 was my world it's just mad how obviously like you know how life's changed like and you know, i only like you know it's been what a month or so i learned how to use a washing machine yeah. you know what i mean i'm my own clothes and these do these things that an independent person should be done naturally uh like basic life skills but obviously it's so wrapped in cotton wool by my mom it's it's always been a kind of like a, a given kind of thing so it's been um been 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 really really tough to be honest with you um so i was like you know, back back to work etc trying to keep busy even though obviously like you know they say time heals um it's true into some extent um but like you know what i mean especially when you've got someone that's very close to you that you've been around all your life um, is that it's always going to be there kind of stuff you'll never forget you'll never you'll never heal and you'll never forget but you can only move forward you can only move on and just keeping myself busy has helped in a lot of things I mean like I am an emotional guy but being in the wind industry there's a lot of thanks I've got to give being in the industry because it made me into a completely different it gave me a shell 
uh, and it gave me the, being in the window game brought me a lot of confidence brought me a lot of uh, a lot of skills to the game in my personality because before before the windows game I was probably the shyest geezer you'll ever meet I'll never say hello to a girl or anything like that but obviously I'm probably one of the most out like the outlandish guys you'll ever come across I'll speak highly I'll, I'll talk if you want I'm talking I won't stop kind of thing you know what I mean so it's the industry has given me a lot uh, a lot and to be honest with you and facing negativity in our work is a part of day to day routine kind of thing you know what I mean so you're you get very to, desensitized yeah exactly you're told to fuck off exactly yeah. you get used to it so literally my day to day routine is like literally I'll get up get ready in my room I'll um, put my armour on go downstairs and face the world and then literally when I come home I'll take my armour off and then obviously I'll get a bit vulnerable don't get me wrong I'll have a little cry kind of stuff but that's just me being human kind of stuff yeah, there's nothing, yeah. Nah, there's nothing wrong with it of course not. You, you, need, you need to let it out it's very important that you do but if anything it, it's commendable that you get through the day that, that's, why, that's why I'm grateful to uh, the industry that I'm, I'm, I'm in uh, to be honest with you, that, that they that's taught they taught me how to how to be that kind of person. You know what I mean? Because like you you're you're an actor. You 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 you're you're facing well. You you're complete you you're a completely different person. Then when you're home and you're alone, then obviously then you can be who you are kind of stuff. And then obviously then you let you let, you let yourself go and get a bit emotional, which is which is fine, which is good because it all builds up. My sister, she's a, obviously being a female. I mean, I'm not being stereotypical, but she's a lot more emotional than I am. So I'm say a lot of family. Uh, I've got a lot of love family. Don't get me wrong. And obviously they're always like checking on her. She's see if she's okay and all that kind of stuff. But I'm going for a lot of same stuff. My dad's going for a lot of stuff. But we don't show our emotions kind of stuff. You know I mean? But everybody thinks that we're okay. We're not. But yeah. we just we know how to we 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 handle it in a different way kind of stuff. You know what I mean? So it's um it's 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 tough. Uh, but such as life, you gotta move, move with, move with the times, and keep things. And I'm trying to do, like you know, especially with with the industry that I mean, it's it's like it's keeping me really busy. I work long hours, which is good. Um, but I have in the last seven eight months started getting to like forex trading and crypto and all that kind of stuff as well. Yeah, I've been noticing that on your Instagram, and I'm very very that. passionate about it because. I believe that this is my next track, my next road in life to get me where I want to be. I mean, like, every, I mean, like, I don't want to seem conceited where I want to say that I want to be a millionaire. I mean, like, everybody wants to be rich. You want the good things in life, but you want to have the, um, but everybody wants to be rich, but nobody wants to put the work in for it. But I, I, I believe that this is my route to do it. And, and I don't know, for, past stories, uh, like testimonials and people, and the people that are, who are in my circle now, I'm actually rolling with a few millionaires, and, and these guys are like 15 years younger than me. Really? Yeah, and they've been in it for only for a few years. They've learned the strategies, which I'm learning at the moment, and they're applying it, and they're sharing me their wisdom, and I'm in a, I'm in a great, great part of my life right now. How did you get into it? Um, to be honest with you, I mean, like, um, I could, like, I've got, I've got a couple of mentors. To be honest with you, um, just obviously hearing say people like tell you about it, and all because somebody got me onto a Zoom call and uh, met a few people, and uh, I've been hooked ever since. To be honest with you, and uh, a lot of people, there's uh, over half a million people around the world that are part of this academy as well, and a lot of people are in the same boat, and that's one thing I really liked about it because it's when you get into the forex and crypto game, the the most common question is. Where do I start? How do I do this? How do I do that? What do I need to know? Kind of stuff. It's the most common thing that everybody asks. It's 
same again, it's not what you know, it's who you know kind of stuff as well. So luckily with this academy, I've had such great guidance, all done through a website, and you can self-learn. It's like um, like an online university. Mm. The lecturers are the educators, and these educators are seven, eight-figure, nine-figure traders that make money nine figures a month. So they have like a pre-recorded lecture. Not like live That's lectures, live, you can live, yeah. So basically interact. they've got lectures all over like the world. You've got some people in America, some people in Australia, some people in Africa kind of stuff. So around those certain time zones, like whatever's on their time would be different to here kind of stuff. So you can actually plug into a live session. So when they're trading, you can copy and paste their trading. So when they do a trade, you can do the same trade. These traders are going to be doing better. These traders are going to be trading like 100 grand, 200 grand a time. You ain't going to do that. We ain't yeah. going to do that. We will do a 50, 50 quid trade, 100 quid trade around that area. But if they win, I win kind of stuff. You know what I mean? So you're copy and pasting the trade kind of stuff. And these guys have got some impeccable statistics. You know what I mean? And these, these guys have got millions and millions and millions in their uh, broker accounts kind of stuff. You know what I mean? So what be- how it benefits them to teach other people is that basically one thing I love about... Um, I've been heavily into network marketing and networking is some amazing money into networking as well. If you know, if you know people that are like-minded, that want to make money, just do bits and pieces here and there, online, trading, bits and bits, learning how to trade, etc. Some great, great money can be made. Absolutely amazing, absolutely amazing money. I mean, like, Every, every night, I do I, I do this trade called HFX, it's called High Frequency Trading, and each trade is like about two, three minutes long, so you, you can make money within two, three minutes. So it's like about, what trading is, you, you're buying against currency pairs. So the US dollar is the, the most popular, most strongest pair, the uh, strongest currency you can get. So obviously you're trading against like, you know, let's say for example, you go to Spain, you've got British pounds and you want to transfer to euros. So obviously you're going to get more euros than you are going to get for the pound. Yeah. So the difference in that is the commission that somebody makes. So but we make the commission online when we buy and sell currencies. So we predict where the market's going to go. So, but when you've got that same money and you trade it back into pounds, you don't get the same pounds back. I'm not following. So you, so you put in pounds. Yes. Basically, basically not. What, 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 what I mean, I'll just give that as an example. You know, if you yeah. go on holiday, you want to get euros, you, yeah. you do that kind of stuff. But you know, if you've got euros left over, let, let's say you, you, you don't spend money. You, you've got you come home with the, yeah, with the yeah. same amount of money yeah. and you want to convert that back into pounds. You're going to lose your you're money. You're going to lose. Right, that's yeah. it. So what, that, what you lose is a commission that somebody's already paid, like the travel agents, that's already going to get back off it. So anytime currency is trading, money is made. Yeah. Regardless. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So obviously you predict obviously which currency pair with the strategy that you have with the academy, it tells you it gives you an indication which currency is stronger and then you use that use that information to trade against the currencies. That's how you make money in Forex kind of stuff. But it's like I say it's a strategy that you have to learn. Mm-hmm. If you don't learn the strategy, it's gambling. Yeah, right, I get you. It does sound a lot like gambling. It is it is. Yeah. But it's all about strategy it's all about knowing your information so you got so many platforms on how you do your research trading it's 10 percent buying 10 percent selling 80 percent waiting yeah that's what trading is all about it's all about being patient waiting for the right, the right time, time to try trade because so the trading market is open five days a week 24 hours so monday like from monday to friday kind of stuff you know what i mean so um, and with obviously the massive community that I was on part of quite a few telegram groups as well that share sharing signals give you ideas that trade this currency pair today all that kind of stuff makes some great some fantastic money obviously it makes some great great money but one thing about this business it's very very easy to get greedy 
mm. very very easy so it teaches you about how to be disciplined with your money how to do not risk more than two percent of your account don't do don't over leverage on trades so teach you a lot of mindset stuff which is very very good and if you're if you've had a shit day negative day or you're not feeling up for it don't trade yeah you have to be in the right mindset positive to trade if I've had a great night and when I trade I'll probably make about in 45 minutes probably around about 100 150 pound around that area so my goal is to pretty much make more money on my HFX than I'm gonna make on my next day yeah uh, work kind of stuff so it could be if I want to do if I want to make 200 quid I want to make sure that some but sometimes if I made 150 pound on uh, my Forex or my HFX then the day uh, my work I might make more with my commissions kind of stuff so it's a win-win situation kind of stuff you know what I mean so I really enjoy it and the best thing about it is for perfect people that are busy got busy lives yeah because you could be in and out within like you know, half an hour 20 minutes you make money and it's all through chronic crypto as well you learn so it's sort of like it, it is like online gambling then so you like log on uh, do your two three minute thing and then you like, you, do, you, you do your you check your out you check your strategies first right if the markets are looking very choppy you'll know that information you don't trade mm-hmm. you know what I mean you don't trade so you do your research what the market is playing out what the market has been like today check where it's going what the currency strength meter is uh, tells you which currency pair is stronger so the ones stronger the ones weaker they're the ones that are best to trade against then you know for a fact that it's that that currency strength is going to get stronger so you're going to buy that currency if it's weaker then you're going to you're going to, you're going to sell that currency kind of thing it's, 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 it's very very technical when yeah. I first started off like I wanted to get into this, I don't know what the freaking hell candlesticks were and all that kind of stuff but honestly the way that this company teaches you it's like four four or five minute videos it, it's like um, Forex for Dummies easy to understand how it works what it does so there's a couple of times the videos I've re- repeated that I didn't get certain things, but now, honestly, I know for a fact that if I can freaking learn this right here, 100% anybody can, because I'm not the brightest tool in the box, and I've, and I've said that vocally in the past anyway, but I'm not much of a visual geezer or like, you know, book geezer kind of stuff, but this, the way that they've done it has been, and I can understand why there's half a million people around the world that are part of this academy. Because they're making something quite complicated, fairly simple, yes, basically. Very, very simple, and obviously, you make you can make money on networking where if you've got if you know people that want to make money on as well they join your team their company will pay you x amount of dollars per week for having people in your team for networking there is a subscription of like 200 200 a month but you're paying for all the value which is great so let's say on average if i'm paying 200 dollars, i'm probably making 800 quid two grand a month just on that so it's an investment yeah. so you got to speculate to accumulate you know what i mean so if it's like your own business kind of stuff there's no business that you make money without spending money yeah yeah you know what I mean so that's what it is but if you've got people in team your subscription can be free as well so which is great so it, it ticks a lot of boxes for a lot of people and it's actually like changed so many people's lives absolutely like an amazing and by networking you can make three quarters of a million dollars a month three quarters of a million dollars a month just for having people in your team it's absolutely mad I didn't know how powerful network marketing was until this pandemic came. So like I said, the pandemic has caused me a lot of grief, losses, but it has also brought some good things to my life as well. That's a really good message. You've got to take positives out of the negatives. Without a doubt, you have to, you You have have to, to. because the way, because this this world is cruel, this life is cruel, and it makes life more bearable and more easier if you are positive. And honestly, when you are positive, the negative don't seem so bad. Mm -hmm. They don't seem so bad. 
because your positive will always outweigh your negativity if you choose to go down that route. So it is a choice as well to be it's positive. It's a massive choice. It's yeah. a massive choice. You can sit back and feel sorry for yourself, like a lot of people in my situation would, or you can take the ball by the horns and you can do something about it, kind of stuff. You know what I mean? And obviously, like there is times where I'm not had the best days, and honestly, day just drags. Mm-hmm. The day just drags. Honestly, it is a horrible situation to be in. But that's why keeping busy is very, very important. I'm doing. I'm actually doing a live trading event in Great Bar in fourth of December at Great Bar Hotel. Um, so basically, me and Cam, we're we're hosting our own live event. So we do like a recruitment for people that fancy that want another income, that want to know about it. Because there's so many people that we come across that do want to do this, but they don't know where to start mm-hmm. or how to do it. We've all been in the same situation. So you're giving them like the foundation, like given, a little yes, taste, exactly, a little Exactly, exactly. So there'll be a lot of people that'll be telling their stories and how they got into it and how well they're doing kind of stuff, etc. Yeah, yeah, I'd like to. Is it damn, anyone can go? Anybody can go. Um, anybody, if you know people that you want to bring with you, that you think that this might be good for them, by all means, you're more than welcome to bring as many people as you want. Mate. Feel free to drop me a message because I was once like everybody else, wanted to do it, don't know where to start, who to go to, because uh, a lot of companies out there, a lot of scammers out there. Literally, I've given myself a goal. I'm another 12 more months in the window game, uh, and then 2023, literally, I want to go into this Forex and crypto full time. Teaching it as well as teaching uh, it as well, doing absolutely it as doing well. it, teaching it as well as I've got, I've got people in my team already uh, who I do regular Zoom calls with as well. They're they're doing very well. Um, so just catch ups. We do some. We do, obviously there's a, a event happening in Graves End, which I'm attending next week. I'm actually opening the show up for one of my mentors, and this is the the one that I'm talking about in Grave Bar, which is happening fourth of December. That's going to be absolutely amazing, and it's going to be the last event of the year as well. So we want to make it as powerful as possible so obviously for a lot of people that um, do want to make extra money we can more than happy help help you to do it 100 yeah. percent. so it's all going to be good looking forward to it so uh, next year is going to be going to be a good 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 year especially compared compared to this year uh, anybody puts in mind to anything they can achieve anything there's one book that i would love to recommend everybody to read and i think it's probably this book has had a major impact in my life it's called think and grow rich by napoleon hill and if there's anybody that ever going to read a book, read that book. In in schools, our system, I believe that our, our system have failed us a lot. When they they don't teach us about taxes, they don't teach us about how to set up a business, they don't teach us how to make money. That's because they don't want us. They don't to. want us to. Yeah. They want us to work for the government. They want us to work for the system. They want there's a system in place. They want you to follow that system. They want. They don't want. I mean, like it's modern slavery. It's modern what slavery. They want. Yeah, I totally yeah. agree with you. I totally agree with you. So literally, now what it is, if you're that one percent, which I believe I'm in that one percent that don't agree with it, that will go my own way. Eventually, that ninety nine percent of people work for that one percent. So true. So well. it's all about. I mean, like if you follow the sheep, you're gonna just gonna end up like anybody else. But if you follow your own journey, you're gonna create your own lifestyle. So wherever, if I see anybody going in one direction, you'll see me going in a different direction. Just well, t- talking about directions, and you mentioned about how traveling's uh, something that you're aspiring to do without a doubt in your, in your next chapter. Without a doubt. <clears throat> do you think that you will stay living? Your home will always be in Birmingham. To be honest with you, I mean, like, Birmingham, I've had some great, great years in Birmingham, sentimental values. Um, I'll, I'll always have a base here. Mm-hmm. I'll always have a home to come to here. 
So my first house that, I mean, like I've got goals in the next two, three years is to buy a house, knock it down and rebuild. That's my goal and build it the way that, that I want, want it. Grand design style. The that's, same way you did with the brunch. That exactly, yeah, absolutely. Put my footprint on anything I do in that and make it make it my own. So I'll always have a base here. So this will always be home to me. So, but I, I would love to travel the world. I mean, like, you know, Dubai is a place where everybody goes. It's happening and I'm not surprised. Things you know, like people get shit done over there. Uh, but you know what I mean? I just, it's, it's I, I love traveling. Mm-hmm. And I think I, I appreciate it a lot more now because we haven't had to do it in the last two years. Yeah. We, and we might have been allowed to do it. You know what I mean? So now I appreciate um, a lot more stuff. So the, the luxury of being able luxury to, be able to yeah, do yeah, things. Yeah. Absolutely, no, I totally agree with you. Um, before I ask you my last question, yep. uh, that I ask everyone, have you got any questions for me? Uh, to be honest with you, mate. I mean, like, no, we you, we go we go way back. It's good yeah. seeing you, bud. Honestly, um, just uh, but yeah, no, it's, it's good. I mean, like you've you've moved forward quite a bit in your life as well. Um, I was actually like, no, I was thinking about you uh, the or well, beginning of November actually because. Like every month, I have like a theme for my journal. So obviously, October is obviously a Halloween theme. So I do like quite a lot of Halloween stuff in there. So I mean, like I don't, I don't know if you knew know me that well that I'm a bit of an artist as well. Um, I haven't done it in 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 X amount of years, but obviously, like there's some good things that come out of this pandemic, and one of the things bring my artistic side out of it again. Thanks so much for coming, man. Thanks All for sharing mate. your story. Uh, but yeah, take care, man. Appreciate. Thank you, much. Thank you bro, man. Take care. Catch up soon.